Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. So if we look back to 2020 and keep track of all the things that that year threw threw at us, dicamba registration being yanked or the label being vacated was one of those. As you're preparing to make your spring applications, you might be wondering what's going on with that. Maybe you're following some of the lawsuits that are happening. So we've brought uh, Dr. Mark Lauks and Peggy Kirk Hall on with us to discuss um, the legalities, what's going on with the label and why this happened and kind of where it's headed. So if you guys would introduce yourselves to our listeners. Uh, Mark Lauks, uh, Extension Weed Scientist with Ohio State, been here for 89 years, no, 30, 20, <laughs> 30, 33 years. <laughs> And I'm Peggy Hall. I direct OSU Extension's Agricultural and Resource Law Program. I've been here about uh, half as long as Mark, maybe, give or take. (laughs) And you guys have both been guests before, probably multiple times. So we appreciate you joining us again for this topic. Yeah, I think a lot of farmers with all the uncertainty and drama that happened last year are curious, where do we currently stand with this year's registration? In 2020, I guess, right now, the EPA issued a label for five years, made some changes, made a few changes to how you can use the dicamba products. We lost Fexapan. After all, this Corteva declined to actually um, keep their registration for Fexapan. So we have Ingenia, Extendamax, and then we have Tavium. And Tavium is a mix of dicamba with Metallicor. So um, they made a few tweaks on the label. One of the biggest things they did was uh, put a June 30th cutoff place Depends on the product. Ingenia, you can go all the way to June 30th, regardless of growth stage. With Extendamax, you have to cut it off at R1 or June 30th, whichever happens first. And Tavium, it's a V4 because it's a product that has residual, so it's geared for an early post-emergence. So it's either uh, V4 or June 30th, whichever comes first. So I guess if you plant it really late, you could still have June 30th as your cutoff there. Uh, They made a few changes in terms of borders and how they addressed runoff potential um, and some things like that. I think one of the bigger ones was the, the 240 foot buffer between the last treated row and the downwind field edge. They did include other various things in that buffer roads, you know, mowed fields and, and uh, other things like that. Um, but that was, that was one of the bigger things. It did restrict use rates. So we used to be able to use double rates. So if the standard use rate of Ingenia is 12.8 ounces and Extendamax is 22, they basically said you can apply it twice either one of those twice pre-plant, pre-emergence, and twice post-emergence, but you can't go higher than that rate. We used to be able to apply double rates. So if you got a nasty burn-down situation, you could go up to twice that rate of those um, to help you out. So those are, I think, some of the major changes that they made. And barring, I suppose, additional results of lawsuits or EPA re-examining that, and EPA has said they will re-examine, because we have a new administration of EPA, they will re-examine that label, uh, they've said, I think at the end of this current growing season to see what problems happen and whether they need to reevaluate. And of course, one of the things that's happened in the meantime is a big increase in the use of Enlist soybeans. And then also Extend is is uh, converting to all Extendiflex over the next year or so. So that actually gives us the potential to spray a lot less dicamba post-emergence, which can help some of those issues. But that's where it um, sits right now. 
And we're not going to lose the label. I will say anyone concerned about that, there will be no loss of that label. I don't see it happening. I mean, I don't think the lawsuits can happen that fast. Maybe they can, but I don't see it happening on time for us to lose that label, that current label. So I think use will be in place until June 30th. That's that's going to be in place. We're not, there's no move by uh, ODA to change any of that. OPA is going, ODA is going along with that label. So there are no additional restrictions placed on that by the state of Ohio. And uh, EPA has actually said, uh, other states can't change that either at this point. Yeah, and just a reminder, because this came up um, at some pesticide trainings that you do have to still complete that annual training. Um, if you go to pested.osu.edu towards the bottom of their homepage, they have all of the different products, um, their training websites. So make sure you get that done as well. So Peggy, Mark mentioned the lawsuits that are going on and the one that really started this what led to that or what the basis was for that label being vacated? Sure. It was challenged uh, by a group of, I would say, uh, farmers with um, environmental interests, you know, organics and National Family Farm Coalition led that challenge along with a number of other uh, nonprofit, non-governmental organizations. And they challenged that the procedure for allowing the registrations to move through uh, was flawed in many different ways. And it did go all the way up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which agreed that uh, mainly they had two issues that they focused on up at that level, that the EPA hadn't adequately examined the science um, or had, you know, they, they picked and and chose among the different reports and data that they wanted to use and ignored other data pieces and studies. And so that was one concern the Ninth Circuit had and it really hammered um, the EPA on that. They also had some other concerns about the social, social costs of making the decision as it did. And, and one large part of that argument was that allowing these registrations to proceed were having kind of monopolistic effects on technology and forcing farmers into having to use these products. So those were the two prongs of that that Ninth Circuit decision. And in the end, they said because of these and, you know, a few other minor concerns they had, they vacated the registrations. And as you know, that fell in June of, of last year and really caused a lot of mayhem. Yeah, and you mentioned that monopolistic effect, and Mark mentioned some new products that are going to be available, but also a shift. And I don't know if that's just, you know, farmers wanting more options, which is good, but also concern about actually being able to apply this product. So that label vacating maybe did have some impact on moving farmers' thought process forward and switching products. I don't know what you guys think about that. I don't think anyone's having any fun with dicamba. I mean, it's a it's a pain <laughs> in the neck to deal with. And so I think when they were given a platform, and, and, and Peggy's right there, the concern was that barring that platform, you know, and this and Monsanto be bare now, basically, you know, that came up in that court case they had in Missouri that they lost. Um, you know, they had internal documents that basically said that, that, you know, this is our chance to basically monopolize the seed market because people that don't even don't want to use spray dicamba will be forced to buy our soybeans to protect themselves. So that did come out down there. So I, but I, I think given the opportunity to do enlist and you had, again, certain co-ops that don't, won't spray dicamba post-emergence period, 
So you have some limitations. And I'm sure some of these growers have concerns of, I, I can't really keep this from moving. This isn't fair to my neighbors. I would hope if you would probably have those concerns given an alternative, they would at least be thinking about that. So they're not losing anything. I mean, they have a variety of platforms now um, and the enlist took a while to get going, but it certainly uh, gives, them, gives them a platform as good as the uh, extend platform is. And so I think they're, they're taking advantage of that. And then seed companies are driving that too by their offerings, right? So if you have a seed company, it took Corteva Pioneer a little bit to get going for a couple of different reasons, but now that's a bigger part of their seed base. So even though we haven't seen that come to fruition as the court was afraid it would, that kind of you know technology monopoly, I think the other issues are still there. And so there's now a number of new lawsuits filed against the the rewritten label that came out uh, after that Ninth Circuit vacated. And that's the 2020 label by EPA. And so now we have a whole slew of lawsuits, again, bringing in those arguments from, from the past. So we'll see what happens next with, you know, right. the labeling, some of the issues that Mark raised, you know, some of those changes they made on the label um, are being argued on both sides. Um, on one side, you know, there's a, the uh, American Soybean Association and the cotton growers are arguing that that new label is too restrictive. And on the other side, we have that same group of plaintiffs who were successful in the Ninth Circuit case, the National Family Farm Coalition saying, that the new label was not written based upon the science. And again, saying that EPA is ignoring the studies and, and is uh, shirking its duty to examine all of that data in writing the new label. So now we have new litigation. Right. It's interesting. I know the news that came out this week about this from, um, from the EPA themselves, basically saying, yes, we, this was not done right. Like we, you know, we ignored certain pieces of data. We were told, you know, people were told they ignored certain pieces of research data, et cetera. So I think they're basically admitting that, you know, we did not follow proper procedure here. Yeah, and that's something that you had talked about all along when we started to see this. You and the wheat scientists across the Midwest were kind of frustrated with. Yeah, I mean, we were getting asked opinions. We were getting asked for input from EPA to a certain point and then not. And then that EPA, that, you know, that wasn't even taken into account, uh, I think. And so eventually there isn't, you know, you can't force EPA to take our recommendations. We, you know, we just gave up. It's a sore spot with weed scientists. The whole dicamba issue really is not because we don't need good technology. That's not the reason. It's this one's been unmanageable. And then you throw in that news, which we kind of suspected from EPA, you know, it makes us really grit our teeth. And what's interesting about that, Mark, is that, now EPA is saying, we feel like we're in a position of legal liability here because, you know, we we were already, you know, had our hands slapped by the Ninth Circuit. We rewrote the labels and we don't know for sure that the new labels were based upon the proper science. We suspect that maybe they weren't. Um, and now if we start allowing extensions, as some of the states have begun asking for those extended dates, we're putting ourselves more at risk of more litigation and more uh, liability for this whole area. So it's it's kind of an interesting evolution, I think, that we've gotten to. Yeah, you can see what their concern is, and it's a little you're, you're a little bit curious if, if like someone down in the trenches below where that decision was made has all that data and has the right assessment, 
you know, and, and knows what that assessment is, but that was not paid attention to, or they never had a chance to even elevate that assessment to where it needed to go, or if they, you know, that was just shut off to begin with. I don't know. It's a, it's interesting, you know, and, and of course, coming into this growing season, just looking at seed sales, I, I, we have the potential for less dicamba to be sprayed, especially I think post-emergence. So you could come into the end of this growing season with fewer issues, right? Because of that. And then it would make it look like your label was okay. Maybe, I don't know. That's a, that's a kind of a strange situation when, when maybe it's actually not, this may not be cutting it off. It's just that we're not spraying as much of it. Yeah. That's an interesting point. So is there a risk of the label being vacated with the current lawsuits again in the middle of June? Well, there are two different tracks for these lawsuits. There are lawsuits occurring on each side at the federal district court, which would be at a trial level. And those will take a while um, for anything to happen there. But then each of those uh, parties have also filed suits at the appellate level. And basically, they're, what they're asking for there is to review that uh, petition going back to the Ninth Circuit and, and making those same arguments and saying the court pointed these things out and these flaws are still in place for the 2020 label. So they, um, in that National Family Farm Coalition case, where they did win that argument in the Ninth Circuit, they were asking to be able to go back to the Ninth Circuit and, and file a petition for review of that. But they're being pushed out of the Ninth Circuit now and joined together with these other cases filed by the American Soybean Association and the cotton growers. And they're going to send those off to a different Circuit Court of Appeals. And because of that movement, it might take long. If they had stayed in the Ninth Circuit, we might have been in the same position again, where the Ninth Circuit could be saying, wait a minute, we still have a problem here. I think it could take longer now that they're moving it off to a different circuit court. And uh, we might not we might not see anything as quickly, but it's still possible that we could get something from them this spring. But the district court decisions, I think those are going to be uh, spinning their wheels for a while. You have to think that if we had it vacated again, we would still be forced to do the same thing we did this year, which was say, okay, it was vacated, but we have guys with extent beans and they need to be able to spray. So I don't think, I don't think anyone's going to take away dicamba in that, in that month of June. I'd be really, really surprised. Yeah, putting us right back in that same position. You know, there would be another flurry of lawsuits yeah. there was last time. So I think EPA has been clear in saying, you know, the current EPA that they really want to take a look at this season and reassess. So I think that works in their favor too, as far as not getting a, another vacation from, from a court of appeals. Vacation in the legal sense, not in the yeah. legal sense. <laughs> so, so <laughs> not the same. Say, and after this past year, don't we all need a big vacation? <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> the other thing I think that complicates this is, you know, some of those uh, regulations are still under freeze with the Biden administration coming in. And so that slows things down too, where they're not looking at a lot of them. Um, Yet they're they're in this strange world of being frozen, uh, pending further review. So I think a court would be hesitant under that 
situation, knowing that the new administration is reviewing to go ahead and make a decision right now on it. That right. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think administration of EPA, I think just to be clear, you know, I did actually see today that they apparently lost a thousand scientists in the past four years, which I find to be phenomenal. But um, they, you know, that core of people that works down there is not affected politically. There's a group of administrators at the top that kind of shift in and out with administration. And so, you know, their potential to go back and look at that it means that their administrators are willing to do that, I think, and then go back to those scientists and say, okay, look, give us the information here and let's make sure we do the right assessment. So well, we've had a change in management, you know, that doesn't mean we've had a change in scientists because they're basically, scientists are, you know, they're apolitical there. As far as I know, that's a good thing. I'm basically saying that's a good thing. So one thing we've learned with Dicamba over the last few years is you can never really feel safe and confident through the season. So Mark, what kind of recommendations do you have for guys to really be ready for any scenario and be protected against some of this uncertainty with their weed control plans. You know, you don't necessarily, especially for the, well, I would say, especially for the post, but even for the pre, because we have a lot of wind in April. My, my feeling on that platform is uh, the dicamba has a, a good use pre-emergence and a burn down for us for Maristale, for example. I think we have less, I think we have fewer issues with it at that time of the year. It doesn't, it's, it's cooler, which means there's probably less volatilization. It doesn't mean it's not drifting, but we don't have as many things for it to affect because not as much is out of the ground, right? That you have flowering fruit trees and things like that. So you have fewer issues. So, I mean, if, if you have a choice about where to use it, I, mean, I still think that's probably um, a better choice. If you have the Extend to Flex platform, you certainly have the option once you get into June to look at weather and say, okay, no, I, this doesn't work for me for dicamba. I mean, I, you know, I'm not per that label and that's a pretty restrictive set of weather conditions. So, um, you know, I can spray bufosinate. You know, I have the option to do that or, um, and no one likes to spray post-emergence twice to look at your weather patterns and say, okay, I don't really like what I'm seeing or, you know, I've had weeds out of the ground and I do have the option to come back later. So I'm just going to start looking um, in early June, for example, let's say we plant late April, early May, and we're hitting early June. Now, we don't spray a lot of post, I don't think, until mid-June, right? I mean, mid to late June, we do a lot of posts. We do some earlier, but that's geared on um, getting big, giant ragweed plants and getting all the little ones that have emerged in a lot of cases as well. So you can certainly look at that and say, okay, it's it's a beginning of June. I'm looking for a window of weather to spray my dicamba. It's It may be a little bit early. Um, if it water hemp's an issue, you can put a residual in with it, right? Um, residual is not going to help you with meristale and, and ragweeds much. And then you have the option to come back and use uh, glufosinate later as a, as a second application. And glufosinate prices have dropped. Now, all this depends on whether you're paying someone to spray and things like that, right, in terms of cost. So as I said, no one likes to do two post applications, but that's certainly one way to manage it because the other way is, you know, I'm going to, I, I want to spray dicamba. I'm planning on spraying that. I hit mid-June when I might spray that, and I hit two weeks of 90-degree-plus weather, right, or wind or whatever, and then, I, and then I'm out. I hit June 30th, and I'm out. So, you know, those are a couple different ways to do it. We would certainly encourage, um, uh, you know, strong residual programs still. We always do for our tough weeds, but that creates the window you need, right, uh, to do that so you're not – you're not in the situation of everything's coming out. I didn't use a residual or I didn't use enough and man, everything's just breaking and I have to spray, right? 
um, and you have weather that's not suit, you're not suitable for that. So that's that's kind of uh, my view on it. Um, now our concern as weed scientists is we are spraying a lot. We're going to be we spray a lot of dicamba. We're going to be spraying more 240, but we are spraying a lot of glufosinate. And I had the question yesterday on a meeting with a bunch of seed reps, and they said, "When are we going to see glufosinate resistance in water hemp?" And I said, "Anytime." any day i mean we just so they found it in palmer down in arkansas so it's coming yes so pull any weeds you see come through that program for sure <laughs> i mean i yeah, don't know yeah. you know of course you know our the only thing on water hemp is you need to you know, do something at the end of the season to stop seed because of that well, that's some um, good advice. So we appreciate the guidance there. Um, you know, just make sure you're following the labels, get the training that you need and um, keep an eye on the weather. We'll keep an eye on this as um, those lawsuits, court cases go through to see what happens. Um, maybe check in with you guys here in a few months to see what's going on. We appreciate your time today and we'll catch you down the road. Sure. Thank you. Yes. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.